Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Diva Behavior, the podcast. This is your host, Molly Molshine, as always. And... I'm in a great freaking mood today because we have a new president in the United States. I watched the inauguration. I watched the inauguration concert the day after. I was so happy I was able to see the concert. There are tons of broadcasts of it on YouTube. Um, you can see it in the UK. It's really easy to watch and it has so many good performances. There was the Foo Fighters, Demi Lovato. I sobbed at Demi Lovato singing This Land. Wait, what song did she sing? Oh my God. It wasn't This Land Is Your Land, because J-Lo sang that, which was great. Demi Lovato sang Lovely Day, originally by Bill Withers, and she was standing in front of this sunset. They showed all these different people in the background dancing and stuff, and oh my god, I was sitting on my couch weeping, you guys, weeping. And it's just so great. I mean, I don't like to look at politicians as celebrities, especially you know, politicians who are in my own party because I think that makes it a lot easier to not hold their feet to the fire on certain issues. But it was really great to see world-class entertainers willing to associate with the president again. You know, like the president is at least decent enough that John Bon Jovi will hang out with him. I don't know why that's comforting to me, but it is. It was also really nice to see fun fashion again. You know, I think... The Trump administration, they did do high fashion, obviously, especially Melania. She used to be a model, but it was always like like a lot of military inspiration, a lot of Jackie O inspiration, which is hilarious because her husband was shot in the head as president. And I don't know why Melania was channeling that particular vibe. It's definitely something to think about, but it was... A lot of the Trump's clothing was not fun. It was not lighthearted. It wasn't optimistic. Whereas the stuff that we saw at the inauguration was beautiful. It was really bright colors. A lot of the women in attendance, Hillary, Michelle Obama, and Kamala, they all wore purple to symbolize unity. And while the whole unity thing is a great message, it also it sort of feels like toxic positivity to me. If you guys know what I mean by that, it's just kind of like glossing over all of the horrific things that have happened over the past four years and saying we're going to work together. And it's like, okay, well, does that mean never having gun control? Because that's what working together has meant up till now. So it, it, give, it makes me a little nervous, the unity talk. I mean, it's a nice idea, but whatever. I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens with all of that. You know, it was... It was a nice day to just sit and not think about politics and just be happy that something really crappy for the country and the world ended. You know, just have a little bit of good news, be able to release the clutch a little bit on your daily stress, knowing that that person is out of office. 
it, it definitely does. It makes you feel a little lighter. Because for me personally, like over the past four years, there were so many moments when I just sat there and said, oh my God, like we actually have Donald Trump as president. This, what is going on? Like this is crazy. So it's nice that things are going to be back to normal before like pre-Trump normal but it's also a little bit concerning to me because we don't seem to be I hope people are keeping in mind that pre-Trump normal is what led to Trump and pre-Trump normal included a lot of inequality for a lot of people so what we need to be doing is coming up with a new normal that's way better than it was before And this is not a politics podcast, so I'm going to stop talking about that. But part of the reason why I was so emotional yesterday and today watching the inauguration and the concert was that I did a juice cleanse. And I promise this is relevant to this week's episode because this week's episode is all about dry January. And while I didn't do dry January this year, I did decide to do a, a three-day juice cleanse earlier this week. I It was actually a juice and soup cleanse. I got it from Press London. Uh, and I don't know. I've done two juice cleanses before. I really liked it both times. For me, the major draw is not weight loss, although I admittedly care way too much about my weight. The draw for me in doing a juice cleanse is that it sort of gets you out of your bad habits. It's a nice little reset where you're like, oh, I don't have to eat an entire melted cheese wheel three nights a week, you know? Because for most of the year, I am really healthy and it feels great. But, you know, during the holidays, obviously, everybody sort of goes a little nutso. And I went hog wild this year and I was starting to feel really sluggish. It has a big effect on my mental health when I'm not eating healthy, big effect on my digestion. So I just really needed to sort of hit the reset switch. So I bought this cleanse, and past times when I've done cleanses, it's been fine. This time, it it just felt really, really depressing, and I think it's because we're in a lockdown again, and you can't see any friends, you can't really do anything. So what do we have right now besides food and drinks, if you're a drinker? So that's what made it really hard for me, and I don't think I'm going to do it again because it was just... Every time I do it, it's emotional because you're losing the emotional comfort of food but next time I want to do something similar I think I'm going to do one of those food cleanses where you're just buying meals from a meal service instead of the juices because it I could I couldn't work out for three days which working out is also something that I actually like to do for you know my mental health so I just was laying on the couch like a bump on a log for three days straight because I wasn't eating enough calories to really work out I couldn't really get my creative juices flowing the way I usually like to. It just, I'm I'm not going to do it again. I think I'm done cleansing. I think I'm done cleansing, which is obviously not really a groundbreaking thing to say. I think most people have been done cleansing since like 2014. It's not really that much of a thing anymore, right? So whatever. But if you're thinking about doing a cleanse, don't. That's my advice. <laughs> But yeah, it's funny because the reason I didn't do Dry January this year is because I said I have nothing to do but drink. And like, it, you know, maybe I'm probably drinking a little too much during this third lockdown that we're in. But I'm also just like, what else am I going to do? And 
then I decided to do a juice cleanse and take away drinking and food. So what is wrong with me? It's definitely a Capricorn vibe. It's definitely a lot of masochism. It's it's definitely a weird inability to understand the difference between self-care and self-inflicted torture. Does anyone else have this problem? It's really an issue for me. Like, the only way I know how to, like, be healthy is to do something absolutely insane that requires a ridiculous amount of willpower or do nothing at all. So, you know, I'm I'm trying also right now to stop counting calories, stop using my Fitbit. I was a Fitbit fiend for the last year, and before that, I actually was on Weight Watchers for like four years. So I've been tracking my food for five years, and I just realized how much mental real estate it was taking up and how much time I was spending thinking about calories and thinking about, you know how many steps I got and I was like this actually isn't helping me like knowing how much sleep I got the night before from my Fitbit I I think it makes me more tired because I'm just thinking about the sleep so I I don't know I just decided to throw my Fitbit in a drawer which was a really great self-care decision and then I decided to do a juice cleanse in the middle of a pandemic which was an insane decision so yeah I'm just trying to find balance and I'm not finding it but I'm working on it and now that I'm done with my juice cleanse I'm gonna try to just I I was like I'm gonna do intuitive eating because that's better for you and then I ended up googling how to be paleo for like three days and then I'm like no that's not intuitive eating that's being paleo that's cutting out giant amounts of food groups like that's not being chill that's being a psycho So anyway, I'm having a hard time. Well, I'm not having that hard of a time, though, because I kind of like freaking out about this stuff because it keeps me busy and mentally stimulated. But I guess my thing is, what if I wasn't freaking out about food and health all day, every day? Imagine what I would be thinking about instead. Probably how to get on Real Housewives or something. But still, it's just taking up so much mental space. So, all of that being said, this is a really long intro, but whatever, I have a lot to say this week. All that being said, I am talking this week to Hilary Scheinbaum all about Dry January. Like I said, I'm not doing Dry Jan this year, but I did do like a dry entire summer last year, and I actually got through like two and a half, three months of not drinking, and it was great, and I didn't feel like I missed out on anything at all. It was really cool. It felt like a superpower. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I actually don't need to drink to relax and have fun with my friends. The coolest thing I figured out, which I don't think we got to talking about, but I just want to mention it in case anyone's on the fence about whether to try it or not. The coolest thing I figured out is if you're not drinking and you're with people who are drinking, it might feel awkward for the first like half hour, but then once everyone else gets their drinks... They calm down and they start loosening up, even when they're not drunk yet. It's just this weird thing where everybody chills out and you will chill, you will chill out too and you will all have a great time whether you're drinking or not. So it's funny because it's almost like you feel like you're drinking even though you're not and then you wake up and you don't have a hangover. So, I mean, win-win. And I, 
I stopped my dry season because honestly it just got cold out and I was like I need a glass of wine just to be comfy and cozy and everything but I'm really happy that I did do an extended dry period so what Hillary talks about in her new book about dry January she has a book about dry January and you guys should definitely check it out especially if you are trying to finish your dry month because I know it's really hard and sometimes reading a book about it makes it easier. But the other thing is her book is called The Dry Challenge, How to Lose the Booze for Dry January, Sober October, and all any other alcohol-free month. The thing is, you can quit alcohol for a month at any time. And February is a great time to do it too because you've probably weaned yourself off of your holiday drinking schedule so that it won't be as much of a shock to the system to just put it down cold turkey. And... February is the shortest month of the year. So if you're going to do it, I mean, give it a shot. And if you are doing Dry Jan, I salute you and you're killing it and you're doing a great job. And I hope you can make it through the next week. So follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly Molshine. Follow Hillary and look up her book, The Dry Challenge. Her name is Hillary Scheinbaum and her book is The Dry Challenge. Rate and review Diva Behavior on Apple Podcasts and enjoy the episode. Some people think Diva's a diva to you. Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva Behavior. Great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. Of course, I don't trust you. Diva Behavior, the podcast. So Hillary, we're talking all about your book about dry January, and I think the question on everyone's mind is going to be, are you doing dry January this year in the pandemic? 100%. This is my fifth year doing dry January, and I think, you know what, stronger than ever. So I'm excited for this year too. That's great. I did dry January last year and the year before, and this year I was just like, I can't do it. But I did do like two and a half sober months over the summer. So does it feel different for you doing it during a pandemic, doing dry Jan? By the way, congrats on doing two months because that's really great. Thanks. Uh, I think that during the pandemic, I realized what my drinking habits were even more. I think like initially when all of this started in March and I was living in Manhattan, I'm still in New York, but Mm -hmm. um, really at the epicenter of everything that was unfolding it was a really stressful time and I wasn't sleeping and I was, you know, having incredible anxiety and I decided to give up alcohol from mid-March to mid-April. And so starting on that note and after having done, you know, dry January at the beginning of 2022 as well, um, it just kind of evolved. And so I've actually drank less during the pandemic throughout the months because I realized that without the opportunity to socialize with like birthdays and, you know, get togethers with friends and that sort of thing, there's just been less opportunity for me personally to drink. So it's been interesting. How about you? I, so in the beginning of the pandemic, I definitely found myself drinking more. And then of course, over the summer, like I mentioned last year, I decided to go totally off the sauce and I went vegan for that whole time too. I just had like a crazy trauma response where I was like, I need to be (laughs) really strict with myself. And then now we're in another lockdown in London and I'm finding myself drinking a little bit more again. But I'm also trying this year to be 
a little bit less strict with myself in general because I just last year I I don't know why I was really dead set on not falling out of a fitness and wellness routine during the pandemic last year and I think I got a little too obsessed. I had, I had a Fitbit and I was spending way too much time looking at the data and like crunching numbers. And then when new year's rolled around this year, I was like, okay, I'm definitely in better shape than I was last year because I got a Peloton and everything. But overall, I don't know if the amount of time I spent per day stressing about my food and drinking habits outweighed whatever bad stuff would have happened if I just let go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's actually, you know, that's really, um, that's being self-aware. And I think that's part of, you know, being healthy too. So I absolutely commend you for that. I think that's incredible. And to your point, I think that especially now more than ever during dry January, if you choose to participate or you're just cutting back in general, being kind to yourself is so, so important because we're all dealing with, you know, stress and grief and, this pandemic in very different ways, um, you know, and they're all very hard. So that said, it's, it, it is very important to be, you know, self-aware of what works for you and kind and patient with yourself um, during, you know, any kind of dry challenge or challenge in general. Yeah. I So last, I love that you wrote a book about dry January because last summer when I was not drinking, I was reading tons and tons of books about not drinking and about why people would quit and, you know, just the different health effects and everything. And what struck me while I was reading these books is, first of all, reading a book makes such a big difference for me personally. So I'm so thankful that you wrote this book because I think so there must be other people who need to be reading a book about what they're doing while they're doing it. So like, what made you want to write the book? Yeah. And it's interesting that you, you bring up other books too, because I think a big difference at least for me, is that my book isn't a uh, recovery book. And it's definitely not a substitute for dry challenges in general are not a substitute for recovery at all. So, you know, the dry challenge is really about, um, you know, taking time off from alcohol and seeing how that impacts your life. And, you know, if you choose to continue to live life without alcohol or cut down in any way whatsoever, then that's incredibly wonderful. If you decide that you want to drink again. The book is super non-judgmental in that way. So I think for me, you know, my story started kind of by accident, um, which is people like often ask, you know, were you drinking a lot? Um, What was your lifestyle like? And for me at the time, I was just a very social New Yorker. I was, you know, single and dating, going on a lot of dates that often were, you know, do you want to grab a drink? But beyond that, I was a red carpet reporter who was often attending after parties um, where drinks were free flowing. Oh my God. I used to do a lot of red carpet reporting too. That's so funny. And there is so much free booze on like the, the New York reporter circuit. It's insane. Yes. As you know. So it's not like you're encouraged to drink, but you're certainly not discouraged. I mean, I think that people are obviously responsible about what they're drinking. So if I decided to have a glass of wine at, you know, a work function, that was totally acceptable. Not to say that I was doing that every night either, but um, I don't think that's typical in, you know, a regular everyday job. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe unless you're in hospitality or restaurants anyway. But 
And on top of that, that was my night job. And then during the day, I was very much, you know, writing about food and beverage. So my coverage would actually depend on me, you know, sampling beer, wine and spirits and cocktails. So at that time, um, just to give you an idea of what my day to day life was like, I, I actually went to dinner with a friend in December of 2016. And we just went to go and catch up and because New Year's was right around the corner, we brought up New Year's resolutions into the conversation. My friend asked me if I knew about dry January. And I, you know, he explained what it was giving up alcohol for a month. And at the time, I kind of just blew it off. It Mm -hmm. just seemed so off brand for me and something that was seemingly impossible. Um, But lo and behold, on New Year's Eve, about a week later, I had a glass of champagne in hand. I was absolutely drinking and (laughs) I texted him and I initiated this dry January bet and he agreed. So the bet was that, you know, he and I would both forego alcohol for 31 days and whoever won our bet um, would win dinner anywhere in New York City. And the person who drank would then pay for that dinner. Um, so at the end of the month, you know, my friend ended up actually losing about midway through and I won this really fancy meal, but I actually won so much more than that because I realized not only how alcohol, excuse me, alcohol was affecting my skin and my sleep and obviously my finances, Mm -hmm. but it really put into perspective how I was spending my time. Um, and really the effect that it was having on my life as a whole. So I think that was so eye opening to me. And clearly now, you know, a little bit over four years later, I've written a book about it. So it's, it's one of those things that was just done on a whim and so randomly almost like it was just like a small piece of my life, but that tiny little nugget has really evolved into so much more than that. And, you know, now this is my fifth dry January and I've done a number of sober Octobers and dry months in between. And I'm definitely that friend who Mm. is, you know, giving the whole spiel, you know, to everyone who I come across if they, if they ask, I'm not definitely not pushing it, but um, yeah, it had just, it has made such a difference in my life. And so it's hard to imagine, you know, what I guess my life would be without having experienced this. So I definitely encourage people to give it a shot, to give it a try. Yeah, it's definitely a really fun challenge and it helps you to think differently about your drinking habits and everything. And I can't tell you how much I relate to just falling into that cycle of working in New York and drinking all the time, especially when I was first starting out, I felt like I was making no money and I could barely afford lunch. And so whenever I would go to an event at night, like a PR event with food and drinks, I would just be eating and drinking everything in sight because I was like, I don't know when I'm going to have an opportunity to eat for free again. (laughs) And it definitely just becomes like, you just get in the habit because you're not even thinking twice about it. Did you ever have a moment when you thought, Ooh, maybe I need to cut back a little bit aside from dry January or not really? Not really. I think that, you know, it's hard to say. It's like New York is an interesting place because obviously nobody drives 
And so often we have Ubers or subway or taxis or whatever it is to carry you home. And I think, um, thankfully, you know, because I think that a lot of people drink so much. Um, and mm-hmm. in New York, and I think a lot of cities and and in people's lives in general, um, alcohol is so intertwined with everything that we do. So everything ranging from like birthdays to weddings, you know, all these amazing celebrations, job stuff that, you know, is positive to devastation, like breakups or death or, you know, maybe job loss. I think that alcohol is always been the go-to for mm-hmm. these moments and um you know especially with dating too like meeting new people networking so i don't think that there was necessarily an aha moment prior to dry january but certainly during my first month it was very clear to me um how many opportunities i was passing on to have, you know, a drink. And that didn't mean that I was skipping out on going to the bar because I was still hanging out with my friends. I was still, you know, doing all those activities. I was still dating. I was still social. You know, I was just opting, you know, either not to drink or to um, kind of suggest a different activity altogether so that I could still, you know, be social or network or do whatever it was that I normally would do in, you know, my everyday life. Yeah. I, over the summer, um, when I wasn't drinking, I actually went to like a socially distanced bachelorette party and managed to not drink. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God, how did I do that? And I think the, the thing that made a huge difference for me was just drinking mocktails and drinking like non-alcoholic beer. Did you, do you find that too? Like I, I just, if, as long as I had something in my hand, I didn't even notice that I wasn't drinking. And some of my friends were like, are you sure you're not drunk? Because like, you're just acting just as crazy as the rest of us. And I was like, I know it's like, you literally don't need to drink. You can do all, like you said, the social activities without drinking. And it's almost the anticipation of it is more stressful than like the actual being there and not drinking. Right. Totally. I absolutely agree with you. I think that non-alcoholic beverages are so helpful in that way. And, you know, to your point, now there are so many brands like non-alcoholic wine, beer, spirits. So whatever, you know, your go-to drink is, you can absolutely recreate it. And even if you're not like a cocktail connoisseur and like a recipe person, you can buy, you know, pre-packaged, pre-made ones that you just have to pour over ice. And Mm -hmm. I think that when I had started this journey in 2017, in January, there were very few options when you're going out to like restaurants and bars. Um, If there were non-alcoholic cocktails, it was something that you had to specifically ask for, or it was like very much like minimized on the menu. And now I think it's so incredible that bars and restaurants highlight these options and they have so many different varietals and they're proud of them. And like bartenders and bar directors are, you know, encouraging people to um, try these non-alcoholic beverages. So I think it, it kind of goes hand in hand, but I think it's just, it's so amazing that this evolution has occurred. Um, and I think it's only going to grow and get stronger. Yeah, definitely. And so many of the drinks actually are so good. It's crazy. Like Heineken Zero, it just tastes like regular Heineken to me. It's so good. Yeah, there are some awesome brands. There's this one, if you're into like sparkling wine or, you know, champagne, there's a brand called Groovy that I've become recently in love with. (laughs) And it is, it tastes just like, uh, it's called like Nosecco. It tastes just like Prosecco, which 
it, it seems impossible, but it is really um, crazy that I actually like prefer the taste of a lot of these non-alcoholic beverages because to your point, like with beer, I think that it's the aftertaste that would usually, you know, confront my palate <laughs> and, yeah. and with non-alcoholic beer, you don't get that. Um, so for, at least for me, that was like my, you know, favorite takeaway. Yeah. It's so much more refreshing than non-alcoholic ones. Cause it's not dehydrating you. So you just are feeling like you don't get that dried out prune feeling after drinking it. So it's almost like you just feel lighter and fresher and everything. Totally. And no hangover. Yes. Okay. That's what I wanted to ask you. So when I wasn't, whenever I've done a non-drinking stint, I still get phantom hangovers and it's the most annoying thing ever because I'm like, I might as well have just drank because once in a while I just wake up and I feel like I have a hangover. Does that ever happen to you? No, not really. I think that, well, I have to ask you, like, are you like hydrating enough? Cause typically, you know, hangovers are obviously because you're dehydrated. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, and I, cause I can't really I don't know. Like, is it because do you think, are you like overexerting yourself and not hydrating or? um, It could be that. Yeah. I I feel like I'm usually pretty religious about hydrating properly, but yeah, it definitely could be that. And it also just could be like the sun's not out and I feel like sluggish and terrible and it gives me the fear. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I totally get it. I don't, I don't know that I have like phantom hangovers. Um, I mean, listen, I'm a human. I still get anxious. I still have nights where I don't sleep as well as I'd like to. But I think in general, my anxiety is far more controlled when I'm not drinking and my sleep is just so much better. Um, And I was going to ask you like what improvements you like saw either immediately or that you felt like were the strongest because I think it's different for everyone. For me, it was sleep. I I think for me, sleep is a big one, but my favorite is just how much better my skin looks. And I know that's really shallow, but <laughs> it's really important to me. And like the craziest thing is just a week of not drinking. And I feel like my skin just looks like an angel's butt cheeks or something. You know what I mean? It's just like my skin just looks so glowing and nice when I don't drink and and my pores look smaller. And that is just like, that's like the reward enough for me. And something that that also always makes me think about is like, you know how JLo is doing her press tour right now all about her skincare. Mm-hmm. And like everyone always talks about Kim Kardashian's skin and how good she looks. And I'm like, these are both women who don't drink. They've been really open about the fact that they it's just not for them and they're not into it. And I'm like, that's why their skin looks so good. In addition to probably like a lot of expensive treatments and everything. But I just think it makes such a big difference in your appearance. And if more people realized that, I think people would take not drinking even more seriously because it just, it just makes such a difference. I agree with you. I think that, yeah, Blake Lively, I think is another one who doesn't drink. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly Ripa did dry January years ago and then just stopped drinking altogether. Same thing with Boomer wow. Willis. Um, and I, to your point, like whatever your goals are, whether it is skincare, which I don't think is at all self-centered or selfish, it's like, you know, you wake up, that's your face for your entire day and for your entire life. Like you want to treat it with respect, um, and take care of it. And so there's that. There's also, if your goal is weight loss, I mean, drinks have so many calories that are just, you know, 
it's just so full of calories. <laughs> we yeah, can get into that too. Um, like you look at the, cause my boyfriend's doing dry January right now and he was drinking some of the no seco and he was like looking at the label and he's like, there's 160 calories in this entire bottle. And I was like, I know. And like in alcoholic Prosecco, that's one glass. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's such a difference. I was, you know, saying to a friend the other day, cause again, like no judgment, depending on like whatever it is that you like to eat or drink or how you live your life. I think though, like if that's one of your biggest goals, it's like, you have to realize that you're, you're taking in so much more than you even think, for example, like, and this is like an extreme, but an average margarita is like 455 calories. And if you are drinking, you know, two to three nights a week, and having two to three drinks every time you go out or stay in or whatever it is, you could be adding at most, maybe even more though, 212,000 calories to your diet annually. And that's just from drinking. That doesn't count for anything else that you're consuming during the day. It doesn't count for, you know, the drunken munchies or the hangover foods that you crave the next morning. Mm -hmm. That is simply what you are sipping through, you know, your straw um, when you go to drink. That is the thing, the chain reaction that it sets off of unhealthy living. That's like for me, the the motivation that I always have to take some time off drinking, it's never my actual drunk actions. Like I feel like I don't really ever, I don't ever really like regret anything or anything like that. It never really like negatively affects me. For me, it's the hangovers and the just the stupid health decisions that it causes you to make. It's like, like you said, the drinking and then the drunk food and then the hungover pork roll egg and cheese the next day. It's like, it just sets off this 24 hour chain reaction of like stupidity. And that's what I, that's what I always try to, that's my motivation for giving it up. Definitely. Yeah. So what was, what's been your usual relationship with alcohol going back to like college and everything? Um, it's funny. I think in college, I actually consumed less alcohol than I did during, you know, the early years of my career. And as we spoke about, you know, when it became part of my career and my social life. So I think, you know, my, my adult life, um, there were definitely more drinks involved. I think in college, it wasn't as frequent. I, was, you know, very um, invested in like what I was studying. And I can go on about my nerdiness, but um, I was really focused in school. <laughs> what so were you I, studying? I actually studied um, public relations. I went to Florida State for two years, and then I graduated from the University of Florida, and they are rival schools. Um, but I ended up graduating with like a three nine. So my, my point is like, I still went out, and I had fun, but I definitely was not somebody who was necessarily going out on weekdays, I was, you know, saving my um, going out days for weekends. And I think, you know, as an adult, I was certainly um, going out and drinking during the week. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, That's crazy. Like, I feel like those are such party schools, right? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like I had a great time, but I think, you know, at both schools, they're huge football schools. And so that's Saturday, you know, and once that takes up your whole day and your whole night, um, Sunday is usually a day of rest. And <laughs> um, I'm going to call my hangovers from now on. It's, I'm having a day of rest. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's self-care. So, uh, you know, like I said, I think that and depending on what my schedule was, too, I think, you know, my last semester at UF, I only had classes on 
and this is, you know, my senior year, I only had classes on like Tuesdays and Thursdays. So maybe I went out like, you know, on a Tuesday night every once in a while, or I would go out Thursday and I would go out Friday and then like, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, I was not like a binge drinker in, um, in college at all. How about you? Oh, I was pretty bad in college. I well, I mean intermittently. I went to Rutgers, which is like sort of a party school too. It's New Jersey's like biggest public university. And um my friends and I definitely partied during the week and everything. And then I guess when I got out, I moved to this town in New Jersey called Asbury Park that has a huge live music scene. So like all my friends were in bands and they were performing like five to seven nights a week. So I was working three jobs. And when I wasn't working, I was going to shows and like drinking PBR, you know? So, (laughs) and then I moved to New York and that's when like, I got into all the like PR events and everything like that. So I think I actually dated someone for a while who was not, who didn't drink. And that made me cut down on my drinking a lot. But yeah. And then now that I live in London, I feel like it's, I, it's funny because I feel like everyone says that every location is the biggest drinking place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like people in London are always like, everyone drinks so much more in the UK than they do in the US. And I'm like, well, I'm from the Jersey Shore. Like, (laughs) I don't think, I don't, I think every place except for like places where it's not part, literally not part of the culture, like everywhere in the Western world at least is a huge drinking place, right? Like there's drinking as part of the culture pretty much everywhere. So I guess in London, it's just different because I'm not in like the whole like journalism and events scene that I was in in New York, but I also do stand up. And like in order to do a comedy show, you usually have to buy a drink in order to perform Mm. like you're doing an open mic and not like getting booked on an actual show. So yeah, it's just so, it's so embedded in every culture that I've been a part of, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, to your point, like, when you think of America's biggest cities, you think of New York and you think of, you know, obviously I think in Los Angeles, they might drink a little bit less, but you that's know, really, that's so true. Yeah. But, but really like New Orleans, like DC, Miami, like these are really destinations and not to like discredit them in any way whatsoever. I just think that, you know, a lot of the times when people are you know, looking for a social lifestyle or going on vacation, they want to relax with a beverage. And these are destinations that provide, you know, that because that's what they're known for. And because, um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's embedded in a lot of, of everything that, you know, people do regardless of where you live. Yeah. So whenever you have done dry January, what makes you start drinking again after you're done? Um, it's actually an interesting question. You know, the first year, was something that it was very experimental. I really didn't have a plan. And I, I definitely had a drink when it, it completed. So that was kind of like, looking back on it, it's very ironic, because it was like, not just not the celebration of it, but just kind of the bookend, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, I accomplished this, it's over. Um, You know, since then, I've, I've extended it. It's not like I'm like, Oh, my God, I cannot wait till February 1st. Um, you know, and I've even gone at times like several months now without a drink. So I think it's changed. I think like, you know, initially it was like, Oh, what's this like dry January thing? Let's see like what happens because I really had no expectations. Um, and now I think that my attitude is kind of like, if I am going to have a drink and kind of break that dry spell, it's going to be for 
a good reason, or it's going to be for, um, you know, some kind of celebratory thing that like, is not replaceable, like a wedding or like an anniversary or that sort of thing. But I mean, even then, like, it's hard for me to say, because it's, yeah, it's changed so much. Sometimes I finish and I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna keep going. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's the most interesting thing is like, for me too, I always see so many benefits. And then I end up starting to drink again anyway. I guess it's just because it's fun and whatever. It's not, it's not like it's ever ruining my life. And that kind of brings me to my next question, which is I've seen some people tweeting things to the effect of like, if you're doing dry January, and this is only really people I know who are like in recovery saying, if you're doing dry January, that means you have a drinking problem and you should stop altogether. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, I can't speak to like people's personal like perceptions or maybe they tried dry January before and it wasn't for them. I don't know. But mm-hmm. what I what I can say is that coming off of December in any year, it's usually, you know, a month of like indulgences, a lot of parties, a lot of drinking, a lot of get-togethers and celebrations. And I think that for many people, dry January is an opportunity to reset and kind of I hate the word detox sometimes, but like, yeah. you know, in their minds, it's just like an opportunity to kind of set back um, everything that they've kind of consumed in December. And, you know, I think that when people are looking to make a change, whether it's for a day or a month or a year or eternity, I think it's always, it's good to encourage those positive changes. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that dry January is for everyone, especially, you know, it's not a recovery method. But I think that it can be helpful to people in general, because there are studies that show, you know, 72% of people who commit to a dry month, end up consuming less harmful quantities in the months that follow. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like 4% of those people end up just not drinking again ever. So it's, it's interesting. I think that like me personally, I know that every, you know, year that I do dry January or any other dry month in the months that follow, I definitely consume more. I'm more aware of what I'm drinking. I obviously, you know, when you do have that first drink, you don't have the same amount, the tolerance that you used to. So you're just very aware of like what you're doing and why you're doing it. So I think that's always helpful too. Um, And what was my third point? I have no idea. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's always helpful to just, you know, encourage people if they're looking to make positive lifestyle changes. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's really interesting how there's been in recent years sort of a, I guess, dry January is becoming more popular. People identifying as sober curious is becoming more popular. And at the same time, there's a backlash where people are getting really like emotional about the fact that some people don't want to drink. So is this something that you've come across? Oh, absolutely. I think that like, especially my first year doing dry January, people had so many questions and they, a lot of people rolled their eyes because they just didn't understand what the point was, especially if I was going to, you know, continue drinking later on. Um, but I, I think that like, it comes with like an education component. I, the first year that I did it, you know, I would just tell people, listen, I'm engaged in a bet right now and I have to win. <laughs> um, and I would tell them like, I just want to see what's going to happen. And then over the course of the month, I, I would talk, you know, very openly about the positive benefits that I was seeing. Um, and 
And that was kind of just like how that was like almost my auto response, which, you know, took a while to kind of build, right? Like an elevator pitch, because at first I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. Like, why are you asking me so many questions? But, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, I think it's pretty automatic and I can really turn to all the research and my own past experience and be like, this is why I do it. This is why it's beneficial. And I'm really like confident and empowered by that. Um, but yeah, I think that like, you know, especially that first year, people around me, friends, you know, some dates um, were like, well, why aren't you drinking? Like, I want to have a drink, like you should drink. And I think, you know, that's an opportunity to just say like, if you want to drink, that's fine. I'm just, I'm going to pass. Yeah. It's, it's funny how, I guess it's not even just with alcohol. It's the same thing as any dietary choices that you make. People just take it so personally. And if you just say, I'm doing this, a lot of people will be like, what do you mean? And it's like, okay, well you don't have to do it. And I've been on both ends of it. Like I've been the person who's like, wait, why are you doing that? And I've also been the person who's like, oh, I'm on the most psychotic diet in the world right now. And why are you judging me? You know? Mm -hmm. Like, I guess we just all get take it really personally. But I found that whenever I'm doing it, um, and somebody asks me why, if I just say I get terrible hangovers, they're immediately like, oh, okay, that makes complete sense. And it just, it's like a really easy way to kind of get rid of the, you know, because whenever someone does ask you about it at a party or a social gathering, whenever we were allowed to still do that, it's like every single head swivels and looks at you for your answer of why you're not drinking, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of gets the the scrutiny off of you to just blame it on the hangovers because like everyone can relate to that on some level. <laughs> Definitely. Like we've all been there terribly. Yeah. I also think that, you know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody. I talk about drinking a lot these days too, um, and not drinking. And somebody who I was speaking to actually brought up that I think, oh, that sorry, not that I think, but some people get defensive because drinking means different things to different people. So mm-hmm. if drinking means like we're gonna go out, we're gonna have the best time, we're gonna have so much fun, it's gonna be the night of our lives, like. We're just going to let loose. It's going to be a relaxing time. And those are all positive feelings. If that is how somebody feels about drinking and you tell somebody you're not drinking, it's almost like they categorize it in their head as like, I don't want to have fun. I don't want to experience all of the things that you have associated with drinking. But the reality is that's not what's happening. (laughs) That's not the message. It's simply like, I can still have fun. I can still relax. I can still let loose, hang out with friends, but it just doesn't involve consuming alcohol. Um, but I think, you know, having those, those thoughts about what drinking means to individuals is just an interesting thing to, you know, bear in mind too. Yeah, definitely. And I think especially to someone who is like in recovery or something, I totally see how it could be a little bit triggering to see everybody give up drinking for one month out of the year and then go immediately back on it and their life doesn't fall apart. Like that must be pretty annoying, I guess, if if it's not been your own experience. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, different people have varying feelings about it. Yeah. Everybody has an opinion about drinking. Totally. Period. What's been the hardest thing about dry January for you? Um, What's been the hardest thing? I think... At this stage, uh, nothing is 
too difficult. I think initially, you know, explaining to friends why I was doing it. Um, certainly not having a plan was very interesting. Um, and I always say that like my now or never moment was literally on January 1st, 2017, my first day within probably, you know, the first few hours of, of waking up. Um, a couple friends, we all went to brunch to celebrate the new year and everyone ordered, you know, alcoholic beverages. And I, mm-hmm. I kindly asked for, I think, water and a coffee. And, you know, minutes later, our server comes back, brings the drinks and also has, you know, tequila shots in tow. And it was kind of this, this moment in time where it was like, oh, okay, do you take the shot and like, do you give it up or do you, you know, stay true to it. And I think as soon as I said no, like that first initial time, it was just kind of like building on that confidence every, you know, day after. Um, but that was, you know, that was one thing that I it was like, okay, right away, like first day out and like here's here's my first, you know, hurdle. So things like that were were a bit um I guess un- unexpected. Yeah. I I feel like that is always the hard part. Yeah. When everyone is just like about to take a shot and you're like, oh God, I I really am going to be the one person who doesn't. And do you do it starting midnight on New Year's or do you just wait until after you've had one sleep? No, I like put down my alcoholic drink um, as the ball drops. Um, So, you know, the clock strikes 12 and I'm done. Um, wow. And from then on, like I replace my beverages with non-alcoholic ones and kind of go on. I think everybody has their own way though. I think like my boyfriend, for example, like he'll keep drinking, but then, you know, when he wakes up in the morning, it's like, okay, now I'm starting. So I think whatever works for you, you don't have to be like 110% like on the dot, like I am. Right. I think like one of my favorite parts of your book was how you coined these terms, damp January, one drink January and demisec, because I think that is where people don't even want to try because they're like, I don't, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it. So like, it's so important to just say, okay, if you have one drink in the month of January, that's just as good, right? Yeah. Well, this is in line with, you know, just being kind to yourself. I think that we're all human And if you have a drink, if you have a day of drinking or, you know, a couple drinks at night, whatever it is, you can start again the next day and just finish your month strong. And certainly if you have a birth, like if it's your birthday or if it's like your wedding day, um, I don't think that like, you know, putting this incredible pressure on yourself to, you know, like maintain your dry January is 100% necessary. Like, I think that you can just continue on the next day. It's, it's dry January is really about like evaluating, you know, how, what role alcohol plays in your life. And like, if you, you know, want to cut down on it or cut it out and it's, it's not a punishment. It's not like there to make you feel bad. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I wish I had your book when I first tried it. Like, I guess it was probably two or three years ago because my cousin's wedding was the last Saturday in January. And like leading up to it, I was like, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. And my family is huge drinkers, especially at a wedding. Like it's no holds barred. Everyone's going completely like swinging from the rafters. Mm-hmm. And I would, I just was like setting myself up for failure. Like it was not realistic that I was, that in my first dry January ever, I was going to go to like my family 
wedding and not drink. (laughs) And I ended up drinking. And then the next day I got completely back on track the next day, but I just was like so mad at myself. And now I'm like, I should have just been like, okay, take one day off. It's one day. It's a wedding. Like my cousin's never going to get, well, hopefully never going to get married again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think that whatever it is, like as long as you are aware of you know, what's happening and like what you're doing and you have a plan to, you know, keep on going right after, I think it's okay. Like, yeah. So what was it like for you dating during dry months? You alluded to that before. And I know all my single listeners are good. I I feel like people who are single probably don't even attempt dry January because they're like, how am I going to go and meet a Tinder date? Not drunk, you know? Yeah, I I think that drink like dating culture is very centered around drinking and it doesn't have to be. Um, So the first two years that I did dry January, I was single. And what I found was people who were respectful of my decision. It was like a green light. If they had questions, that was fine. But if they were rude or, you know, trying to get me to drink something, I felt like it was a red flag. Um, and definitely, if you know, anybody was like rolling their eyes, it kind of, for me, it seemed like if this is such a tiny, um, not tiny, but like, if this is something that doesn't even affect you, like the, my date, um, and you're not supportive of it, like what other things in my life would you possibly not be supportive of moving forward? Um, so I really, you know, like, it was an opportunity too for me to like analyze my date and yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm sure they were like analyzing me. That's what you do when you're dating. Yeah. But I, I truly found that like dates were more creative, like beyond, you know, sitting down with somebody interview style and asking those questions, like, where are you from? Like, do you have siblings? Like, what do you do when you are doing activities that don't involve drinking? Like you're going on a hike or you go to a museum or you go on an ice cream date, whatever it is, like you're, you have this opportunity to show the other person, like what interests you and see if like they're compatible in that way as well. And certainly when things are more interactive, like if you're doing like, you know, like a painting class or like you're going bowling, you can kind of like have this interesting interaction. That's more like, I don't know, just like lively instead of simply sitting across from someone. So I think that, you know, dry dating is better. Uh, that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you know, my, it, it's a really like long, but funny story. Um, but my boyfriend and I, we, we actually met in 2015 and we met at a party and we were both drinking and we, um, went on a couple of dates then most of them involved alcohol to be quite honest. And, about after a month of dating, we went our separate ways, like completely amicably. Um, and when he came into my life, like again, years later, he, we were just friends in 2018 and in 2019, we started dating during dry January and he did dry January with me and we've been dating ever since we've been together for two years. Wow. Um, So I, I, you know, like it just, it blows my mind to think that like, if we had met that first time, and we had dated without alcohol, like, would it have made a difference? Like, maybe. Um, but I can definitely say that, like, having somebody to do dry January with, what if it's like your partner, it's definitely more encouraging, and it makes things easier. Um, there's no, like, miscommunication due to alcohol. There's no, you know, like, you're both 
at least in our situation, like I'm a happier person and he's definitely a happier person when he's not hungover. So it just like makes, I think dating a little bit less complicated because dating is so complicated these days. Mm -hmm. So when you guys broke up the first time, was it like drinking related at all? You know, it's hard to say. So we went on about five dates and four of them involved alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, one of them was like an exercise boot camp class. That was my idea. And I think that during that time, I remember saying to a girlfriend of mine that I couldn't tell necessarily if there was like a spark and like alcohol wasn't helping that. I can, right. I can definitely say that because especially in those early stages when you're getting to know someone and if like you realize that like the four out of five times that you well, you know, we met first, so that's six. So the five out of six times that you've interacted with this person, you've been under the influence. I don't know that it gives you the best idea of who that person is or like, and same with you. Like, I don't know if he had, you know, a hundred percent clear picture of me. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it really is. I mean, my boyfriend and I, we definitely were both drinking a lot when we first met <laughs> Like sometimes I would think about it and just be like, I wonder if we're compatible. What like early on when we had only been on like drinks dates, just thinking like, I wonder if we actually even are compatible. And like, luckily we are super compatible. But yeah, it's definitely doesn't help you, like you said, to like see the person clearly. Yeah, I think you know it just adds an extra filter and an extra um, element to dating that maybe right. you could do without, but. And sometimes maybe we need that. Like if you're just like, I don't want to see this guy too clearly. I just want to like have someone to hang out with once in a while when I feel like it. But yeah, I think it depends also like what your goals are. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong. Like it, if, you know, like when I was in my early twenties, like was not thinking about like, you know, settling down or that sort of thing. Have fun. Like do, you do you. But I think in terms of like, what worked for me, I think that, you know, having dry months and having the opportunity to get to know somebody without alcohol was just really special. Yeah, definitely. Also, just on the topic of meeting up with like a Tinder date and having him be disappointed that you're not drinking, I need all guys to understand that it's like really not a good look to be disappointed that your female date is not drunker. <laughs> like, that's not a cool thing to be like thinking, you know? Yeah. I also think like, you know, for both parties, if you're not drinking that month or that weekend or for whatever reason, I think like, you know, and people definitely have different opinions on this. My opinion is like, you know, be forthcoming and tell your date before the date, like, Hey, I'm just like not drinking right now. And like, it doesn't have to be a serious conversation. It could literally just be like, I'm doing dry January. And like, um, you know, you should suggest a, an activity that's non boozy. And I say that because if you're meeting up with somebody and he or she is like, okay, let's meet at a bar. Um, then, and you arrive and they're expecting that you're going to drink. It might be like a little bit off putting. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but like off putting to them that like, you know, they had this, maybe a wine tasting planned or whatever it is. So I think it's like maybe sometimes courteous to just like give people a heads up if they are planners and they're like, you know, making plans for your date. Um, but, you know, I think that also dry January is a wonderful opportunity for individuals to 
go ahead and take the reins, whether it's dates or just like friend get togethers. Like if you know that um, you're not going to drink, like you can suggest other things that are going to make you happy and like really fulfill you and like, you know, encourage like conversation or whatever it is that you're looking for um, with that date or that friend. Yeah, that's so true. So what is the most surprising side effect of not drinking that you've experienced? Oh my gosh. Okay. So this was life-changing. I say that so dramatically, but it's kind of true. Um, As a very busy, you know, stressed out New Yorker, um, my sleep before doing a dry January was terrible. Like I was sleeping five hours a night. It was really rough. I would wake up at like 4am and just like not be able to fall back asleep. And like my friends knew this too. Like I was historically like that person who would like text them at 5am. I mean, my friends definitely kept their phones on silent, but I'd be like, good morning, another, you know, night that I can't sleep. Um, And it was just like a running joke almost that like, I just did not sleep. So when I was doing my first dry January, I ended up like starting to sleep seven to eight hours a night. And that to me was such an epiphany because all this time, like I just thought maybe it's genetics. Like maybe Mm -hmm. I need to like check my anxiety. Like I just, there's something going on with me. And the reality was that as soon as I eliminated alcohol, I slept like a baby. Um, And I think that like, as anyone knows, like when you get a really terrible night of sleep versus when you are so well rested, it is like night and day, like your mood is different, your um, productivity is different, like just everything falls in line so much better when you're well rested and you sleep. So sleep was like it for me. Yeah, that really is such a game changer. And it just affects every other facet of your day. And it's hard enough to sleep in New York. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, I, it's so funny now, like sleeping in London, if I hear the tiniest noise, it wakes me up. And I'm like, I would like, if I went back to when I lived like on the Lower East Side and it was just people puking outside my window from like 10 PM to 6 AM, like, how did I do that? How did I sleep in New York? (laughs) Totally. I mean, I've over the years invested in like blackout shades and like earplugs and eye masks and like you know, noise machines, like all the crazy things. And honestly, like, when I gave up alcohol that first, you know, dry January, between weeks one and two, it was just like, whoa. Right. The the amount of money we spend on problems that could be solved by not drinking, like that could be a whole nother book. (laughs) It might be my sequel. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, No, it's true, though. Like, You know, within my book, I I state this, that there was a UK survey um, that basically said the average adult spends nearly two years of their life hungover. And that blew my mind because when you consider like what you could achieve in two years, I mean, that's a long time. Um, And so often especially, you know, people who are really ambitious, like us, who are super dedicated to, you know, their passionate, like, activities and and jobs and whatever, like, whatever it is, like, I think a lot of the time we say, like, we don't have time for like certain things, right? Like, we don't have time to, I mean, pick your poison, right? Like, we don't have to work out, or we don't have time to see family, or we don't have time to like decompress or like take care of ourselves or whatever it is. And when you really add up 
all of that time. That's just time that you spend in bed, feeling nauseous, feeling sick to your stomach, and like not wanting to do anything. That's not even the time that you spend actually drinking or, you know, going to or coming from your drinking spot or getting ready or, mm-hmm. you know, anything else that involves drinking. It's literally just the feeling of being sick. That's two years. That's yeah, crazy. that's horrific. Yeah, that's so bad. So as we wrap up, what would be your advice to someone who has never done a dry Jan before and is thinking of maybe doing it? Like maybe somebody who's thinking of doing dry February or something like that. What would you say to anyone who's on the fence? I would say do it, try it. Um, You know, obviously be kind to yourself, but I think there are a few tips that are helpful. And one is, you know, recruiting a friend to do it with you. Um, I think from the start when I did it with my friend and we had made our bet, even when I felt like I couldn't continue, and this was obviously before he lost, we had each other to like vent to and support each other and cheer each other on and, uh, and plan, you know, non boozy activities with each other. So that made it really helpful. Um, you know, now my boyfriend stands in and does that job, but <laughs> that, I think that's really encouraging. Um, you know, second is to plan some activities that you love to do. Like, as I mentioned, we spend so much time hungover. So maybe like on your Sunday morning, you really want to learn how to make the best scrambled eggs. I don't know, but like mm-hmm. put it on your calendar. Um, and I think that's encouraging so that on Saturday night, you're, you know, turning down a glass of wine or during your normal happy hour time, like pick up a different activity like yoga or painting or what have you. Um, and I think another thing is like, just to keep in mind, like now that, especially that we're working from home, um, out of sight, out of mind can work wonders. So like, especially when you're not going to bars or restaurants, like eliminate the temptation. So put your alcohol in a place that you're not going to be like crossing paths with all the time, like remove it from your bar cart, remove it from your fridge, put it in, you know, like under your couch, maybe or somewhere that you're not going to be seeing it all the time. Um, and if you need to, you can like give it to a friend to hold on to for the month, or you can pour it down the drain, which is, you know, a little bit controversial for some people, but <laughs> the purpose is just that it's not in your home. So there's, it makes it like a little bit more of um, a barrier to temptation. Yeah. Okay. Final question, because I think it is so smart for you to make it into a bet and have a reward at the end, especially one with money attached. What was the restaurant that you made your friend take you to and pay for when you won the dry January bet? <laughs> so the restaurant is Momofuku Co in the East Village in Manhattan. It is um, quite a pricey restaurant, which I, depending on what motivates you, I might say, suggest that you, you know, wager something really high in price, or if not, you could, you know, wager something like cat sitting or I don't know, whatever it is yeah. that you really want in your life. Um, I will say that to this day, you know, Alejandro and I, we're still great friends, but, um, he hasn't made a bet with me ever since <laughs> and he probably won't for a very long time. <laughs> Well, it sounds like it all worked out really well, at least for you, which is great. And I'm so thankful that your book is out because this would have helped me so much the first time that I ever tried to dry Jan. And I just hope everyone listening like gives it a chance, even if it's just a week or something. Yeah, try it. <laughs>
you know, like you really have nothing to lose. Yeah. That's so, especially since there's nowhere to go right now. I mean, come on. Yeah. I think that can factor into some success as well. Yeah, for sure. Some people think diva is a diva to you. Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva behavior. Great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> of course, I don't trust you. Diva behavior, the podcast. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.